We are looking at ambition. We're looking at Paul's ambition. And um, I hope that we are each saying this was Paul's ambition. What is my ambition? And um, we can see how the Apostle Paul through these two verses um, kind of kept focus in light of what you and I would classify as, uh, um, how shall I say it? weren't having much fun. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll read verses 9 and 10 and look at Paul's devotion. Father, um, there is nothing compares to the promises that we have in you. And Father, even this day as I uh, stand here and I think about the amazement of what's before us and the amazement of what you've already brought us through, uh, Lord, I... I just don't have any words. And yet, Father, you're not done. Father, may we who are called by your name rejoice with every breath you grace us. And Father, may we lean full weight upon you and you alone. And Father, may we who are truly saved be busy about our Father's work. We are all ministers. And yet, Father, I pray that our ambition to please you would grow in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We are looking at ambition. I mean, that's that's what what he says right there. We have as our ambition. Um, In the Roman culture at the writing of this letter, ambition was spoken of as politicians. Uh, and the word in the Latin literally means to face both directions. Politicians. Um, whatever I have to do to get what I need. All right. Um, in our culture today, in the English language, ambition has a negative connotation to it. Um, and, and yet... Um, you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone who hasn't got some type of ambition, uh, something that they want to achieve, something they want to accomplish, and, and it is uh, their motivation. The Greek culture looked at ambition as noble. If you had an ambition and were willing to really strive to be it, to be the best at it, That was a good thing. But if you think about it, where did the Olympics come from? The Greeks. And they would take this. um, And if you were an athlete or you were a soldier, then you had a great ambition. I also see the word ambition and say in Timothy, anyone who aspires to be an elder, who is ambitious to be an elder, it's an honorable thing. It's an honorable thing. So what happens? It's like the word epithumia. Okay. Epithumia in the Greek, we translate it lust. Okay. Normally, if you throw the word lust out, has it got a good picture or a bad picture? All right. But if I'm lusting for the things of Christ, is that bad? All right. Well, ambition is that way. When I look at the Apostle Paul here and I and, and I kind of go back and I look at what moved this guy, because I have spent a lot of time with Paul. I, pr- I probably spend more time with Paul than I do anybody. And and w- when I, I think about the, the, the this guy for this many years, you know, you know, I was with nine or ten years in first Corinthians uh, and I got what three years in second Corinthians so far. Um, I'm spending a little bit of time with Paul. All right. But you kind of start seeing who he is and what what makes him tick. And yet 
underlying all of that is what God is doing in his life. And he has this ambition and he states it right there to be pleasing to him. When we moved into 2 Corinthians, I shared with you that this book deals with ministry. This is what ministry is about. And already here in chapter 5, he's saying, this is my ambition. I am compelled to preach the gospel. And, And yet I watch in our society today, what's happened? And I'm talking, just go across the board. You are very hard-pressed to find a, a church or a believer who has an ambition to rightly divide truth. What does the Bible say? And, and, and it's a little frustrating because the same Holy Spirit that's in the Apostle Paul is the same one in us today. And yet, we get these things in our lives that distract us, that sway us, and all of a sudden, we fall into the Latin ambition, which means to face both ways. And and, and I, I keep trying to ask myself, well, what stops that? Well, you have a responsibility, each and every one of us. And we go through our lives with... Ambitions with goals. These are things that I want to achieve. These are things that I want to. And sometimes we are successful at it. Sometimes we are not. But yet I'm still in this vessel and I have been bought and paid for with a price. I am not my own. And it is the Lord who has laid it out. You know, and and I—I'll be honest with you. Years ago, twenty some odd years ago, I just got so mad at God that I—you guys are like, "Wow, this is great." Um, I got so mad at God that I decided I'm going to take that Bible and I'm going to find contradictions in it, and I'm going to put this thing to rest because God can't contradict Himself, and you can't take a book that was written over that many that many years. Okay, and that many crazy different styles of authors and not have contradictions in it. So I tell everybody now I've been reading my Bible every day now for 26 years and I haven't found one, but I'm going to keep looking. All right. Now, that doesn't really sound like a spiritual plan, does it? You know, I had the great God caught me on the Damascus road and I'm going to see if I can prove him to be a liar. Brilliant idea. But whatever the path is that the Lord brings you on, you need to say yes, and then it becomes an ambition. I mean, that is not the most spiritual and God-glorifying ambition. Let me find a contradiction in His Word. I'm ambitious. But it worked. God says, hey, go ahead. Find a contradiction. That's what we are about, people. It's, it's this week I had a, a numerous, shall I call it, encounters. That sounds good, doesn't it? Aliens, no. Um, and and it was amazing to me how quote unquote people of God are so clueless about God. I, I actually had a guy, a pastor, tell me that. Uh, Theology is just boring. And I was like, well, there you go. That's what I was thinking. Tell him that when you see him. Studying him really was boring. Okay. And just make sure I'm not around when you see him. Because I'm thinking he's boring. Watch this. Um, so anyway. But, but, but you hear stuff like that and you think, what the? I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't understand it. Um, you know, I, I never dreamed that you would have to defend the church on the basis of Scripture. Well, but there's other things out there. Then go get them. I don't go to church to find other things. I go to church for the book. The Apostle Paul's passion was the things of God. Why? To be pleasing to God. We've looked at this in depth. Why? That was his goal. 
Paul's goal was to be pleasing to God. But I, I, today I want to look at his devotion. His devotion. Because, let's be realistic. Our devotion to anything has implications to our ambition. Right? I moved to Colorado in the late 70s to climb mountains. Uh, the, the more bizarre it was, the more ambitious I was to, to climb it. Okay. Uh, I was so bizarre that in one January, uh, we decided to do the North Face. Do you know that the North Face in the winter is shady? Okay. The North Face of the Grand Teton. Okay. To date, I have never been that cold ever. And I worked so I could have a vacation to go hang out on ice in the shade. Now, there's some ambition, stupid. <laughs> okay, I, and it, I, I don't even want to get into the details. But there was an ambition. When I came to Colorado, I wanted to climb. I wanted to do all 53, 52 14ers. Uh, and then I realized some of them got roads. You know, <laughs> why in the world would I hike up something or climb up something when everybody else is driving? <laughs> uh, that's sort of a frustrating event. But anyway, but, but the, I, I get these kind of things and there was an ambition and I, I'm so ambitious. I lived on a fourth floor apartment up off of Colfax and I would take a backpack and put a hundred pounds of plate weights in the back of it. And I'd walk up the stairs and down the stairs as I go to, to and from work. Okay, to keep in shape. Now, you know what's really stupid about it? There was an elevator. <laughs> okay, but the ambition was, I'm going to train to do this. And we usually had two to three insane climbs that we were going to do a year. And, and you kind of moved them into winning. You could get a break and had some time off. Uh, we did the Devil's Tower up in Wyoming. Um, that thing, by 11 o'clock in the afternoon, that black granite, you can't touch it because it's hot. Uh, I learned that the hard way. You know, about halfway up and realize, I can't touch the rock. <laughs> it's it's going to be a little miserable. <laughs> so, um, but, but, so you, I, I share that because it was an ambition of mine. Okay. Each of us in this room have some type of ambition. It, it may be something as if you're single, you may want to have a spouse. Uh, if you're newly married, you may want kids. If you're not newly married, <laughs> I almost said it. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not newly married, you may want grandkids. Okay. <laughs> we got one. Amen. Grandkids. Um, <laughs> and then some of you are looking, nah, you don't want great grandkids. Anyway, my mom's got great grandkids. Poor woman. Anyway. What makes that devotion press that? Your ambition. Everybody in here has got an ambition. I mean, it may be a little thing, but you have an ambition. Every one of us. Then you'll find out that in the implication of that ambition, it will be your devotion to that ambition. And that's what we see here in the Apostle Paul. Whether at home or absent. That's the phrase. Whether at home or absent, my ambition is to be pleasing to God. Now, you've got to understand what he's just what he's doing here because remember he starts out verse 9 with therefore. Therefore in light of what I've said in the first 8 verses. Okay? And then he talked about the difference, right? Verses 1 through 8. The difference between this tent, remember, that's being dismantled. I would prefer to be in my heavenly container, a, a container for that creation, not this container for this creation. So when he says it here in verse 9, whether home or absent, he's referring back to what he explained in the first eight verses. Um, verse 8, we are of good courage. I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body, 
and to be home with the Lord. So, whether I'm home or absent is, is what he's getting at. Verse 11, the fear of the Lord persuade men to manifest, and I hope that we are manifest also in your conscience. Then verse 12, he says, we are not commending ourselves to you. We are given an occasion to you to be proud of us. We <clears throat> have an answer for those who will take pride in the appearance and not in the heart. Okay, what he's trying to say is what I'm doing here, whether in this earthly vessel, it is still my ambition to be pleasing to the Lord. But he also is saying, do you understand that I am struggling because I don't want to be here? I would rather be in his presence and be pleasing to the Lord. Now, one of the things that is amazing to me that... That all I can figure is, is that it's an American phenomenon. Um, I remember talking to a Russian pastor and he says that we pray for the church in America every day because, um, of the great spiritual battles that the church in America is involved in. And I'm sitting there going, spiritual battle? What are we talking about? He says, and this guy preached under socialism, under the communists. And he says, in Russia, under the communist, you knew who was a believer and who wasn't a believer. It was very stark because you would go to prison for the gospel. Okay, uh, um, Yuri Sipko, uh, that used to be the president of the, he remembers growing up and his dad was a pastor and he had to do it, um, incognito. It, it, it was hidden churches and he had what they called the pastor's bag and it's set by the door. So if the KGB came to arrest him, he would have some clean underwear and some clean socks because they wouldn't give you that in, in the Russian prisons. And it's set there by the door. And every time you went in and out of the door, there set what they called the pastor's bag. So that if they came and arrested in the middle of the night, dad would have, he would, they're not going to let you pack, but you could grab that bag on the way out. He says, we understood who was for us and who was against us. He says, in America, you have no idea. And I said, uh, yeah, thanks for encouraging me. But in America, we have this mindset of what is a good ministry, a successful ministry. And you know what we classify it as? No problems. We've got plenty of money. We can do anything we want to do. I've got it. You know, I remember a guy talking to a guy who was a pastor down in Texas uh, in a black church. And he said that it used to be in Texas that you were a successful pastor if you drove a Cadillac. And I was like, wow, there you go. He says, that's changed. I said, well, hallelujah. He said, no, they want Bentleys now. And I was like, a Bentley? Are you kidding me? He says, yeah. He says, successful pastors will drive Bentleys in Texas. And I also talked to some guys here. It says, you come up here and you pastor for a few years in Colorado. So you kind of get callous to the people. And then you go down and you start making real money when you get to Texas. That's, that's, I don't know what that is. Well, I do, but okay. I have been and had the privilege of traveling in outside of this country, and I have seen what successful ministry is. I've seen people. I watched a church on a Wednesday night in Russia in March, and you had snow that high. And the women were wanting men in the church. And they had heard that this American was going to be preaching that night, and a bunch of guys showed up, and the women wrapped up in their cloaks and went outside in the cold and opened the windows so they could hear me preach, but they wanted the men to be in the room so they'd be exposed to the gospel. That's successful ministry. This is the same guy that I shared with you who stopped outside the, t this, the town sign for five years and prayed for a harvest of souls. Five years with nothing happening. Every time he went through town, Twice a day, he stopped and prayed. God, give us a harvest of soul. Five years? 
We pray for something for 10 minutes and feel like we've already been overcome by the gates of hell. Paul wasn't having a lot of success in uh, his ministry by our standards. Verse 8, he says, we are afflicted in it, of chapter 4. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. That's ministry, people. Do you understand that? You are investing in the eternal destiny of souls. And did I tell you it cost Christ's life? And you think it's going to be easy? You're just going to smile and everybody going to come to Jesus. Here, let me hand you a track. Read this, say this prayer. You'll be saved. You know what I tell them? Count the cost. And they look at me like, what? Yeah, count the cost. If you're going to be saved, count the cost. Your family will hate you. Your fellow workers will hate you. The people around you will hate you. And not, oh, by the way, did I tell you? They don't really care if you think you're going to heaven. They think they're going to heaven. It's brutal. It is brutal. A lot of you, some of you know my past. You know where I came from and what lifestyle I came out of. I have been treated worse as a Christian than I ever was as a drug dealer or a biker. Now you figure that out. And you know why? I won't waver on truth. I won't waver. I ain't moving off of it. No, that's what it says. And people hate that when they say, well, you know what? That's just, I just want you to know you're sinning against God. Well, I ain't sinning. Oh, okay. You're morally challenged. God says you're sinning. Verse nine, verse 10, always caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. Verse 11, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us. Do you see that? That's ministry. That's, that's not, woohoo, happy, happy, joy, joy. No, he's saying, you know what? I don't have anything left but to depend on Christ. That's all I got. And you know what you'll learn is that if you stay there, it's just so much easier. It's just so much easier. They throw all kinds of stuff at you. I think about them attacking Paul. The church is attacking Paul. They're attacking him. We'll look at this a little later. He went back to a surprise visit to the church that he founded in Corinth. And people stood up and accused him of preaching the gospel for sexual favors. And nobody in the church stood up to defend him. Now you tell me how happy that would make you. But he says at his hearing in 2 Timothy, at my hearing, no one came on my behalf. And I can't think of a greater Christian church planter shepherd in my entire life than the Apostle Paul. I don't know of another one. He's still reaping fruit. If you're a Gentile today, you are part of Paul's ministry. That's pretty good. And yet... He had distress. He had trouble over and over and over and over. 6 9 of 2 Corinthians. As unknown, yet well known, as dying, yet behold, we live as punished, yet not put to death. Because, see, his goal was to please God, because you know what? He knew. That if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, not made with hands, but it's eternal in the heavens. See, we don't do that. We just don't do that. I don't understand that. It's I look to go to heaven. I got saved so I can go to heaven. I got saved so I don't have to be afraid of death. I got saved because I want to be a child of he who spoke existence into being. I want to hang out with him who invented time. He created time. 
I've, that just is mind-boggling to me. I spoke time into place. What? And yet he's patient. He's not bound by time. How can you be patient if you're not bound by time? Let's sit down and discuss this. That's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me. I found out that many of pastors in Colorado believe that God created through evolution. And I'm sitting there going, really? And then they make this statement. Creation and evolution is not really an issue that we need to worry about. Well, I'm sorry. If he didn't do it in six literal days, then God lied to us. Because the penalty of sin is death. Evolution to work, you have to have death. Yeah, I'm thinking it is an issue. All right? But but try to... I did it one time when we were teaching through the Old Testament. I did it one time. I came up with 50... What did I come up with? Almost 5,900 years. And I was afraid to say anything. I was like, no, it's got to be like 50,000 years. I dropped a zero someplace. But no, it's not quite 6,000. You know, then the people, well, is it a lunar calendar? Give me a break. You know, scientists says it's trillions. Okay. And they said, give or take a hundred billion. Well, I'm closer than they are. (laughs) I only miss my mind about a buck 80. So, but he said, I'm trying to get at when you step into the ministry, you've got to go completely against the flow of everything that is out there. And I do it because I'm looking to the heavenlies. The apostle Paul looked to the heavenlies. He says, I'm going to get out of this container. I'm going to shed this thing. It is here for just a time. I want the body that's not part of this creation. I want the body that is part of God's eternal heavens. I want the building that is from God. I'm in this tent, and as long as I'm in this tent, I'm groaning. I'm groaning. I would prefer to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. We've looked at these eight verses. But that's what he's saying here when he says, whether home or absent. Paul had no fear. Paul had no stress. All of the things that were happening in life had no effect on his ministry. We have to understand that. Ministry is received. It's not achieved. God says, I want this done and you're up. And I don't care what they say against you. I don't care what they do with you. You know, that one time I had crab meat in Russia. You shouldn't have crab meat in Russia. I'll just warn you ahead of time. Why? They're just not that close to water. And I don't know where they got this, but it took too long. Okay? And I was ready for Jesus. I was sitting in my room saying, Lord... Nobody here speaks American and I want to die. And I could tell them and they wouldn't know what I was saying. And then the next day he says, he's still here. Paul had no fear. Remember, I told you he had three things. Either the rapture, death, or if he had to, he'd live on in the body. Okay. Paul's mindset knowing that he was pleasing to God, whether home or absent, was to get to eternity as fast as possible. Okay? Now, do you know how to get to eternity as fast as possible? It is really simple. Fulfill your ministry. When your ministry is done, guess what? God takes you home. And you see Jesus look him in the face and you hear, well done, true and faithful servant. That's an amazing idea when you think about it. You know, get the task done that God wants me to get done. And then I'm out of here. That's the way Paul looked at it. He says, you know what? If I'm going to have to stay in this tent, all right? 
Let me fulfill my ministry. Why? That will be pleasing to God. If I'm absent and I go be with God, guess what? That is pleasing to God. There you are. I redeemed you. You are mine. You are in my presence. But until that time, be about your father's task, your redeemer's task. And guess what? While you're doing that, it will be pleasing to God. If I stay, okay. If I die, okay. It's, do you, it's like a no lose scenario. It doesn't matter. I want you to think about it this though. Whether he lives or whether he dies did not change his ambition. Do you ever think about that? Here or absent? Okay, so I watch people. I was reading some of the commentators on this. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we are too smart for our own good. Okay, because they're using the phrase here, home or absent. And, you know, is home in the earthly tent or is absent in presence with God? And, and they go back and forth and then they go in verse eight, you know, in verse six, you see, uh, therefore, be of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, that must be what he's saying. We are absent from the Lord. Verse um, eight says, be of good courage, we prefer to be absent from the body and be at home. So which is it? That's not the point. Whether I'm here or there, I want to be pleasing to God. You know, and I've I, I seen a chapter on home and absent. And you're like, really? Because at one point, home is in the presence of the Lord. At one point, home is in this body. At one point, absent is from this body and present with the Lord. And so which is it? Yes. It's both. Why? Paul is trying to get the point across that whether I'm here or there, my ambition is devotion is to please the Lord. Whether living in this life, this physical body, or if I die, this physical body returns back to the dust and be in the presence of the Lord, either one has no effect on my ministry. Okay, either case, Paul's ambition has not changed. Okay? But, I want to give you a little caveat on this. Look at what he's saying here. If he says absent or at home, or home or absence... Do you understand that he's not, he's showing that what you're doing right now is not reserved for the future. In this weak earthen container, I have the abilities to be pleasing to the Lord. You know, when I'm in his presence, I bet I can be pleasing to the Lord. Just an idea. To know as I am known uh, probably make it really easy. Okay? But what Paul is saying is, you, you can't do the Flip Wilson thing. You know, the devil made me do it. You can't do it. Why? Because you're in this vessel now, you can still be devoted to the ambition of being pleasing to the Lord. I think that's cool. Either case. It's not something for the future. Ambition can't change. What he's trying to tell you and I is that because you're saved, all right, because you're saved, you have a ministry. Okay, you cannot be saved and not be in ministry. It's impossible. Okay, and you have the ability, even if you are in this container, this tent, this body. And you know what? This week, the weather kept going. It's summer, it's winter. It's summer, it's winter. Um, and, and I've got a bad knee. 
And I can honestly tell you that my bad knee hates temperature change. It gets cold, stays cold. My knee says, all right, I'm used to it. I'll just hang out. Then all of a sudden it gets warm. It says, I don't want to be warm no more. Quit it. And I'm going to throb and show you. Okay. And then it gets warm. It gets used to it. And you think, well, that's pretty good. It gets cold. The next day it says, hey, I'm throbbing. You know what that means? It's getting cold. And it's just a, it's annoying to say the least. Okay. And one of the things that I have learned is, is that I have crossed that 50 mark. And uh, for whatever reason, weight hangs. I've never, I'll be honest with you. I've never really experienced this ever in my life. I've always been, you know, put rocks in your pocket if the wind's going to blow. And and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, this scale's wrong. I don't know what's up with this thing. And, and, uh, so, so then I realized that that thing that had, that I used to hang all of my shirts and jackets and things on is a treadmill. My wife thinks I should be on that. And, and I said, it's got coats on it. And the other day I walked past it and she's taking everything off of it. And I'm thinking that that's a message. I, you know, the the body tends to be a pain. Doesn't it? There's times that it just, it becomes this annoying vessel. Okay? And yet, even as annoying and as fragile and as weak as it is, it can still be used to please a holy, perfect God. That should make somebody just say, wow. Because <laughs> when I've come to that conclusion, I was like, wow. <laughs> so, well, God, can you get on the treadmill, please? <laughs> so, whether either case, either here in this container or in the rapture, or if, if you die and you're absent from the body, present with the Lord, um, it doesn't matter um, the fact that we still should be pleasing to the Lord. If I'm here or if I'm out of here, be pleasing to the Lord. Be pleasing to the Lord. Either one, the ambition should be the same. Okay, Paul did not disregard how he was in this life. I mean, you think about it for a minute. His, his detractors in Corinth even said, he's not much to look at. He can't really talk. Now, his letters are powerful. Okay, and you know he can't be much to look at. He was stoned and left for dead. It wasn't like he could go out and get plastic surgery. He'd have been sort of painful to look at, to be honest with you. And yet, he didn't, that was no issue for his ambition. You know what? If someone stoned me for preaching the gospel and drug me out and threw me on a manure pile, and I came to, you know what I'm doing? Catching the bus out of town, or donkey, or whatever. All right? He went back into town. This is, this is the same city that stoned him and threw him outside. He went back in and continued. That's amazing. Why? Because his ambition was to be pleasing to the Lord. Paul understood that this body, this vessel, could do the thing that God wanted it to do, and that was to be pleasing unto the Lord. Okay, knowing that it would have eternal rewards on it. Yes, you know. Jesus says, lo, I come quickly and my rewards are with me. Okay, and everybody says, well, that just sounds... You tell him you don't want yours then. Paul longed for what was to come. And that longing for what was to come, remember the first eight verses? Made him... Careful how he lived here. Okay? Because listen, if you're ambitious and your ambition is to be pleasing to the Lord, then you're going to take care here. You're going to take every thought 
captive. Remember, it was a few. It's been a little while ago. First Corinthians nine. Verse 27, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Okay, I buffet my body. Uh, it, it literally means to box in verse 26. Uh, I run in such a way as uh, as not without uh, aim, and I box in such a way as not beating the air. And that's the, the vernacular that he's using. He says, I'm going to beat my body into submission. My body's going to listen to me because my passion, my desire, my devotion is to be pleasing to the Lord. That is my ambition. Okay? Um, he, Paul, and he says, you know, not to be disqualified. It literally means do not to be cast away. Um, the Greek phrasing there, it means to be tested and found lacking. Okay, you remember when he talks in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2? Therefore, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Okay, why? That was his ambition. And his devotion was whether home or absent to be a living sacrifice. Paul is trying to show you and I that in this fallen, weak body, uh, even though we are in this, it's a vessel that could please God. Hey, remember on the sixth day, he made man and he said, it is very good. Every day he created, he made, he said it was good. But when he created man, he said, it is very good, very good. And, and I think we miss that at times because we say we want to get into the Flip Wilson thing. The devil made me do it. We, we don't do that now because our theology's gotten bigger. So it was the flesh made me do it. Okay, no, you did it. All right, and the key is you dropped your devotion of your ambition. Paul's desire was to be with the Lord. And that would lead to another desire. What? Do not disregard this body in this life. It has a purpose. God has a purpose for it here in this life. And you make every effort to use this vessel to please the Lord. The idea he had to face the Lord someday kind of adds to it. I mean, verse 10, we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, the Bema. The bema of Christ. And all that means, everybody's like, oh, that means it's just thrown. No, man, it just means something lifted up. <laughs> Sorry. I know you're wanting a little more. That means he's going to look down on you. Uh, it, there, Paul was taken to the bema in Corinth and accused of proselytizing Jews. Why was he taken to the bema? Well, that's where they would either pass judgment or that's where they would re- reward athletes. Same platform. It's, if you go to, if you watch the Olympics, whenever they show up again, you'll see they have a platform. And the one who gets first is the highest in second and third. Okay. Same thing. All right. But he understood that. But his devotion was that I'm not going to use a, an excuse that says that because I'm in this earthen vessel, I just can't please God. The idea of, of, of knowing that he was going to go into his presence motivated him. He had this goal. Why? He was devoted to this goal. And it was a single focus of everything he did. I, I mean, and if you think about it, he says, whether home or absent, how wide is that devotion? Whether I'm living or in his presence, my devotion, my ambition is to be pleasing. I I love that because he's saying whether in time or in eternity, this is my ambition. Whether in this world or the world to come, this is my ambition. 
whether on earth or in heaven. This is my ambition. Do you see how big his devotion is? No matter what you do, his passion is still the same. When you and I look at our ambitions in ministry, is the passion still the same? Whether in time or eternity, whether on earth or in heaven, whether here or there, is it still the same? This man was consumed for pleasing of the Lord. No matter where, no matter what, he was consumed to be pleasing to the Lord. You see this all over the place in Romans chapter 14, verse 8. For if we live, we live for the Lord. For if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Okay, now think about what he discovered there. Temporal eternal. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. It's still for the Lord. It's still for the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. According to my earnest expectations and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all of my boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by I like that. He had a devotion that it crossed the complete expanse of eternity to be pleasing to the Lord. And you know what? That devotion for the goal set before him was absolutely unaffected by life or death. Did you hear what I just said? We've got a week coming in front of us. Tomorrow it all begins again. And I will ask you, in this life, will it mess with your ambition to be pleasing with the Lord? To the Lord. Because that's what the Apostle Paul was. He was a minister of Christ. A servant of Christ. And whether alive or dead, nothing is going to affect his ambition. His, his, his noble Ambition of being pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ, whether alive or dead. And yet, look at the silly things that we allow to distract us from that ambition. And yet, the Apostle Paul, listen, don't tell me you can't do it. Paul was the chief of sinners, he did it. And let me tell you, did you know that the same Holy Spirit that was in him is the same one in you? You know what that means? I've helped everyone out today. You go all walk from this place without excuse. Woohoo! <laughs> that make your day or what? You won't be able to say, well, the preacher didn't tell me. You're all ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk from this place this day with a single devotion, whether alive or dead, regardless of what's going on around you, to be pleasing to the Lord. That leads to the key to Paul's motive, and we'll get that next week. Please understand what you see in the Apostle Paul should be the norm for every Christian. You, you may not be a preacher, but whatever God has you in the body of Christ for, it should be an overwhelming ambition to do it pleasing to the Lord. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever God's got you doing in the body of Christ, it should be an ambition to do it so God is well pleased. I don't care what it is. 
We were making the bulletins, cleaning the church, working the food closet, answering the phones, ministering to your neighbors, shoveling snow, whatever it is. I'm doing it that's pleasing to the Lord. And it should be an ambition that says the devotion driving my ambition covers the whole span of eternity and creation. And it can't be swayed. That should rock your universe. Should rock your universe. And and know that lo, he is with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what's so amazing about it. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for our brother Paul. The testimony of his life. Father, the amazing things that you did to that man. Father, may we set aside the ambitions of this world and embrace the ambitions of the eternals. Father, as we move to this world, as lives come in contact with us, may they see that we have a hope. A hope in the eternal heavenlies that father even though these bodies weak and frail as they are clay pots earthen vessels father this precious treasure that is inside may it shine forth with the glory of you who spoke existence into being to your praise and to your glory Christ and Christ alone. Amen.